Amen. I want to tell you that I, as I sat there and listened, I was so inspired and uh, felt like singing too. <laughs> uh, it was just a, such a huge blessing to hear. And I think we are blessed as a church. Amen. Yeah. I think we have so many wonderful gifts in our church. And then we have uh, the members of the Spanish church that came over 
to join the choir, and that's always amazing. I look forward to that every year. God is good. All the time. Wonderful. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, we cannot help but sing about how good you are to us. We don't deserve anything from you, but yet you give it anyway. And during this time of the year, we think about the gifts that you have given to mankind. And one of the most important gifts comes in the person of Jesus Christ. We of all men were most miserable, lost, needing salvation, and Jesus himself came to die, came to this world to live and die so that we may have this privilege to come before you in prayer and to talk about what that experience was like. Father, we now ask that you please remove me out of the way, and we pray that Jesus, you may be seen and heard. We pray that as we read your word, Lord, that you may speak to our hearts, and we pray this all. In Jesus' name, let everyone say, Amen. Amen. We were doubly blessed with the children's um, uh, program and then the adult choir, and God has been really good. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And if I were to give this really short talk a title, it would be, You Can't, But God Can. Can you say that with me? You can't, but God can. This is the story, which, uh, which is a very familiar one to most of us, the story of Mary, the birth of Jesus. In Luke chapter 1, Luke records the account as to what took place during that time. The angel Gabriel was, on, was running errands for God. He was sent by God to visit a man by the name of Zechariah, and then a woman by the name of Elizabeth. And then he had another trip to do, that was to visit a young lady in a small town. And this young lady was Mary. We're picking it up in the verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. The Bible says, now in the sixth month, of, sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God. By whom? By God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. A wonderful story. The Bible goes on. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name, and shall call his name, he will be great, and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Verse 36. Now indeed, 
Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be according, let it be to me according to thy word, and the angel departed from her. Such a unique dialogue between man and angel. A unique conversation about Jesus himself being born in the womb of a woman, Mary. A unique conversation with the angel Gabriel going on God's errand to visit this, this, this wonderful young lady by the name of Mary in this really small town called Nazareth. I wonder what Mary could have been doing that day. As she got up in the morning, I imagine Mary might have done her devotions and read the Bible. She might have read the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7 speaks of where the Bible says, you will receive a sign. Behold, a virgin will conceive and bring forth a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. I imagine Mary to have read that, that, that verse in Isaiah. I imagine Mary to have been one who knew the Old Testament. You see, Mary was not just any average person. Mary was a faithful follower of God. Amen. And to that we should say amen. Mary was not just your average young lady. Mary was one who feared God greatly. She, she knew who God was. And here it is in the, in, in the, the whole entire world. God chose a small town. Now, we don't know how many people lived in Nazareth, but I'm almost certain, 100%, that it wasn't only Mary. I imagine that there might have been other people living there, including Joseph, but Mary wasn't the only girl living in Nazareth at that time. But nonetheless, God chose her. When I think about verse 37, where the Bible says, can you read that with me again? For with God, nothing will be impossible. I think of an amazing story that I read recently about a young man who was flying home for the holidays to see his parents. He was flying home from school. He was, he was um, uh, of course, on the plane, on this flight, sitting down, reading a, rel a religious paper. He was trying to catch up. He was, he was a religious young man, and he, was, he realized that he was sitting beside a professor at another college. And as he was there reading, this professor decided that he would engage the young man in a conversation. And of course, his goal was to mock this young man's religion. The professor asked him, young man, sorry to interrupt, but can you tell me something that God can do, and I'll give you an apple? The young man sat back, thought for a little bit, and then responded to the professor, professor, tell me something God can do, and I'll give you a whole barrel of apples. And the professor had nothing else to say. He did, not have, he did not have an answer. Tell me something that God can't do, and I will give you a barrel of apples. With God, nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. This is a very interesting story. Mary, whose life was touched by God. Have you ever thought about it? 
every single year we get to this point in our experience where we contemplate the birth of Jesus Christ. But a lot of times, especially around this time, we miss the most important lesson in the birth of Jesus Christ. And that lesson has to do with understanding your incapability and God's ability. Understanding that with you, everything is impossible, with, but with God, everything becomes possible. See, Mary had to learn that very important lesson. Mary, when she heard the greeting from the angel, she was afraid. She had no idea what was coming. And it's interesting to me that Mary, in conversation with this angel Gabriel, did you notice, I don't know if you've, if you've noticed, but Mary spoke just twice. Twice. Mary gave the angel the rest of the time. And it's good for us to note that whenever God has his plans, it's best that we keep silent and allow him to accomplish his work. Nonetheless, when God speaks, we ought to keep silence and allow him to finish what he is saying. But how often have we interrupted God's plans? God speaks to us and God says, this is what we need to do. And we say, Lord, but I have a better plan. Can you imagine if the birth of Jesus was up to mankind, what that would look like? Our best plans would fail. Mary understood that here was a miracle that was about to be worked, and that miracle was to be worked by no other person but God himself. But yet, how often have we said to God, you know, this is what you want me to do, but I think my plan is better. And often we don't even allow God to finish his ideas before we express ours. But Mary spoke just twice. The first time that Mary speaks, you'll find that here in verse... Uh, let me see. Verse 34. Mary's first question. How can this be? How can this be? Since I do not know a man. That's the first time Mary spoke. To that the angel responded, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. In the Christian experience, it's very important for us to understand that in order for holiness to be born, it must, has to be, the, it must, it must be the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is the epitome, the picture of holiness. Jesus Christ, the one who came to live and to die to save the world, he was the true image of who God is. And isn't that what Christians should be? We should emulate the character and person of God. We should demonstrate to the world what God is like in our actions, in, in our words, in the things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. In other words, am I as loving as God is loving? Am I as kind as God is kind? Am I as merciful as God is merciful? And the answer often is no. Yet, we often try to be. We try to be kind. We try to be loving until we meet that one person that makes it hard. And then we lose our cool. But here it is. 
how can this be? That's the question we often ask. God, you want me to be loving. How can this be? And I imagine the angel responded. The angel, angel responding, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. And therefore, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Can you imagine if Mary decided to do this work on her own? Can you imagine if Mary said, Gabriel, that sounds like a really cool idea, but I, I think I have a way to sort this out. I think I have a way to bring a child into the world. In fact, she did. There was Joseph. They were about to be married. But a child born without God is not a holy child. And so Mary had to depend upon God to do this work. If you turn with me in your Bible to the book of Mark, and this is where our lesson comes in. Mark chapter 10. You can't, but God can. Mark chapter 10. The Bible reminds us Jesus was having a dialogue with his disciples on the tail end of a conversation that he had with a man who was titled the rich young ruler. We still don't know his name, but we know he walked away sorrowful. The question that he came to Jesus with was, how can I be saved? And that's the question we all have today. How can I be saved? How will we eventually get to heaven? What do we need to do to get there? And Jesus, having told this young man, go, sell everything you have. Give to the poor and come follow me. The man did not want to do it. So he walked away and the disciples talked to Jesus and said, then who then can be saved? Salvation seems to be a hard thing. Verse 26, and they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? The question was asked. Verse 27, Jesus responds, adding a little bit more than Gabriel mentioned earlier. Verse 27, but Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is what? Impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. Salvation belongs to God. The story of Jonah teaches this very important lesson. Jonah didn't want those in Nineveh to be saved. He knew that God would save those people. And so he ran in the opposite direction to Tarshish. God sent him back. And I used this word before. Jonah, in his disobedience, was going in the opposite direction when God sent him an Uber to transport him to his destination. <laughs> and so Jonah ended up the place, in the place that he needed to be and preached the very message he needed to preach. Salvation belongs to the Lord. But how often have we tried to save ourselves? How often have we tried to do the impossible, not allowing God to work for us? Really, God wants us to be obedient to his will. We know that for sure. God wants us to be more loving. God wants us to be more kind. God wants us to be holy. God wants us to represent his character, his person in the world. But how can we do that if we haven't been spending time with him? How can we tell the world about a God that we don't know ourselves? With men, it is impossible. 
but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. If you'll go back with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke, Mary had a response. I imagine Mary to be that gentle, kind person. I imagine if you were to ever visit the town of Nazareth, Mary would probably take you in and give you a meal. I imagine Mary to be that individual who would speak of God and his blessings to those who would listen to her. And Mary would recount this story over and over again. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Luke chapter 1, 37. After Gabriel said this, this was Mary's response. Verse 38. Mary spoke again the second time. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Here's the important lesson. In order for God to do the impossible for us, we need to be available. In order for God to do the impossible for us, we need to surrender. In order for God to do the impossible for us, we must say, behold, here I am, Lord, do what you want to with me. And so it's impossible to love. We've often said that. It's impossible to love this certain type of individual. But I tell you, with men, it is impossible. But with God, no. But Jesus himself said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who despise you. With men, impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. I have a quote I want to share with you, and I have it over here. Pardon me walking back and forth. I believe that God wants us to understand and realize that for a long time we've been living our lives trying to do it on our own. In fact, every single day that you wake up and not pray and not read your Bible, you are telling the world that I can do this by myself. Every time you leave God, leave God out of a conversation, you are telling the world, I can do this by myself. And I've often said that there are times where things come up in front of you and you say, Jesus, step aside, let me handle this one. But God doesn't want it to be that way. In his book, Absolute Surrender, Andrew Murray says this, your Christian life is to be a continuous proof that God works impossibilities. Your Christian life is to be a series of impossibilities made possible and actual by God's almighty power. God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only things for ourselves. What a pity. I've been inspired The birth of Christ was an outworking of the power of God. And the same power that created the entire universe was there to create life. 
And all Mary had to do was to make herself available. She didn't have to make some long pilgrimage in order to be made a vessel. She just needed to be willing. She didn't have to learn all the knowledge of scripture. She just needed to say, Lord, here I am. The birth of Christ happened this way to teach us that in order for Christ to be born within, in order for holiness to be a reality in our lives, we need absolute surrender to God. And that's what Mary did. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. If your life is not fully surrendered to Jesus, you will forever struggle in your Christian walk. You will fall and you will try again. You'll even try harder and harder each time to find or create or manufacture some form of holiness, but even then it's just the husk. It's not the real thing. You will ask the right questions, and in some cases you may gain the right answers. You may understand verses of Scripture. You may have it all memorized, but yet still you have no holiness. Don't believe me? The Pharisees did but they did not surrender their lives to Jesus. You come to church, your heart is still holy. Given to yourself, not to God. You think you live, you breathe. And all this, just for you, not for God. You live your life just for yourself and not for God. Without total dependence on God, we will always fail. Because with men, it's impossible. But not with God. For with God, all things are possible. And that we must realize. The heart that struggles with envy and bitterness, where self reigns, must be surrendered to God. For only then can those things be removed. And like Mary, we must say, Behold, thy servant, be it unto me according to your word. In other words, whatever you tell me to do, that is what I will do. And if you say nothing, I will do nothing. Every day that I wake up, I can tell you personally, I pray a simple prayer before my feet touches the ground. I say, Lord, today... I belong to you. I have no ownership over my life. And because I have no ownership over my life, I'm depending on you to tell me where to go and what to do. I'm depending on you to tell me what to say. And Lord, I don't even know how to pray. Can you teach me, please? Lord, before the day begins, I want to commit my life to you. I'm asking you to take over today. If someone shouts at me, Lord, I want you to, you want you to remind me to pray and ask you what my response should be. I shall read your word this morning because I know of my own self I have no knowledge. Lord, I need, I'm begging, I'm in earnest. In fact, I cannot live without your Holy Spirit's guidance. Please send help. I believe that God hears that SOS message every morning. And I believe that he sends help. And then, I 
make my first step and remind myself this is going to be a great day because I am not in control. You can't, but God can. And when we don't start the day like that, I have learned, as I spoke to a friend this, this week, in fact, yesterday we had a meeting, we had a wonderful conversation, and he told me, I want to stop apologizing to God in the evening time. <laughs> I want to start the day with God. And when we don't start the day with God, all we end up doing in the evening is apologizing. God, please, sorry, I, I, I knew I should not have done that. I want to stop apologizing to God too. How about you? I want to start my days right. And with you, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You can't, but God can. You won't be able to do it, brethren, no matter how hard we try. We need total dependence upon God. And it's a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful lesson that was illustrated today. As the choir sings so beautifully, they were all focused. I don't know if you realized. They were all focused on the director. And so they sang beautifully. They weren't out of tune. They sang beautifully. And I would say today that if the church is to be in tune, we must focus on the director. Jesus Christ himself. Total dependence upon God. You can't, but God can. I pray that you remember that today. Let us pray together to close. Father, no matter how hard we try, sometimes we think highly of ourselves and we praise our own abilities our own gifts and talents in fact our greatest struggle is, is self and today we know that in order for you to fill us we need to be empty vessels and so we come before you now acknowledging that holiness be born in our hearts when we surrender our lives fully to you. And dear Lord, we want to surrender now. We ask that you take us and make us wholly yours because we understand and realize that we cannot do the very things we want to do without your power. Lord, we don't want partial Power. We don't want to be filled partially. We want to be filled completely. And therefore, we cannot surrender partially. We pray and ask as we surrender fully that you may do your perfect will with us and that our words may be similar to that of Mary. Behold your maidservant. Be it unto us according to your word. We pray this. In Jesus' name.